0: Well, good morning, Journey. Great to see you, man. Spectacular weather out there again uh, this weekend. Marcy and I drove up to uh, Highlight Canyon on Friday morning, walked around the canyon, walked around the dam area, and sat on stumps and solved the problems of the world. And then we drove through that campground right on the north side, and every single site was reserved. So I'm, I'm surprised to see you. So, Anyway, it's good to see you. I slipped away after the 9 o'clock service and went to City Brew and got a, I got a mocha. Met some people who were at the 9 o'clock service who seemed alarmed about whether I would make it to this one. So anyway, good to see you all. We're in, a, we're in the second of a three-part series. that started two weeks ago. We have one more next week. And it has to do with capacity. Here's our topic. Exploits and Aspirations of us all, using, protecting, and increasing our individual capacity for doing good in a broken world. Capacity means the amount and the type of good God has given me the potential to do in my lifetime. It is the amount and type of good God has given you to do, the potential to do, in your lifetime. All of us have been given capacity in our life. And uh, we find in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, a scripture that Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul was Timothy's mentor. This was the last book that he wrote. And uh, he is writing to Timothy, and he starts out with these words that, uh, that reflect the personal nature that they have. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The reason he says this is why I remind you is he's citing two things. One, when they parted last, Timothy wept. They were that good of friends. They walked that closely together. Secondly, Paul is referring to the fact that Timothy's grandmother had faith. Timothy's mother had faith. And Timothy himself has faith in the Lord. So he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Paul is telling Timothy, I laid my hands on you to call out something that God has placed in your heart, that every one of us here have capacity. When God said to Peter, you are a rock, even though Peter was up and down like a roller coaster, he said, Peter, you are a rock. You're something we can build on. When he said to Moses, you're a deliverer, even though Moses had had successes and failures, he knew that all the way through Moses' life, Moses exhibited the traits of delivering other people. And so he treated him as a deliverer. When he went to Gideon, he said, Gideon, even though Gideon was living in fear, he says, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. That's what you carry in your DNA. That's the capacity you have. And each of us have a spiritual DNA that has capacity for doing good in a broken world. And we have to learn how to use that capacity. Uh, recently, uh, sharing a couple of weeks ago that uh, our son and his wife who live in Beijing, China, came home and uh, spent about seven weeks with us here before they headed back last week for teaching there. And uh, they brought with them Camden Scott. Camden Scott was born on uh, April 17th, six weeks premature, and uh, he was our first grandchild, and they show up, and there's little Camden. And uh, three weeks after that, our other son, Nolan, and his wife, Brianne, came home from Springfield so we could all be together, and they brought with them Stace Williams. Stace Williams was born on May 10th. So three weeks apart, two grandchildren, and uh, we, had, we had a hoot. The lovely things about grandchildren, you can hold them, feel affinity with them, love them, and then strategically hand them back. And uh, so that, that went great for us. Uh, but you know, as grandparents holding Stace William and holding Camden Scott, just in holding them, we aspired for them already. We carry in our hearts aspirations for their success and their happiness and the good that they can do because because that's what grandparents are. That's what they do. And we know that their parents aspire for them. And we know as they begin to grow older, they aspire and they will aspire to do things that have meaning and significance in this world. And it is, it is God's favorite metaphor in the Scriptures for Himself when He calls Himself Father. He says, that's how I look at you. He says, I have placed in you capacity to do good. And in that capacity to do good, when I look at you through the eyes of a father, I yearn to see that capacity. I yearn to see you live out that capacity. I, learned, I yearn to see you be loyal to that capacity and honor that capacity. The second part of this scripture that we read from Timothy, Paul is saying, Timothy, fan into flame this gift that God's given you, but remember, we do not carry a spirit of fear and timidity. Paul is suggesting there that the things that are uniquely you, created by God to give meaning and significance to your life, to the people around you, and redemptively to this world, those things can be lost. Your capacity can be diminished. And one of the responsibilities you and I carry is to make sure that the capacities God gives us are not only used, but to make sure they are not somehow forfeited. So this morning we're going to spend a little bit of time Learning how to keep from losing our capacity. There's three things that can happen. One is our capacities can be stolen. Sometimes with us knowing it, sometimes without us knowing it, they can be stolen. Sometimes they can be betrayed, so they are rendered powerless. Sometimes they are just lost. And there are things that you and I can do in order to protect the capacity that God has placed in you so that your capacities for good are not stolen, are not betrayed, and are not lost. Let's pray and ask God to help us with that, shall we? Lord, thanks for uh, loving us. Thanks for creating us fearfully and wonderfully. Thanks for placing in our hearts and in our lives capacity for good. Lord, teach us this morning. Help us to protect something that you want us to honor. Show us how to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's three ways we can protect our capacities. Number one, your capacity and my capacity for good can be stolen. And one of the ways we can protect it from being stolen is learning how to deal with our baggage. Learning how to deal with our baggage. That baggage is, all baggage is, is all of us got stuff. We have temperaments. We have ways that we've responded to other people. We have uh, what Paul says, I see through a glass darkly. We have ways we look at the world in a faulty way. We have ways that we respond to how other people have tried to create a reality for us. And it isn't that we have to fix all those things, but we better make most of them visible. Because it's not the visible stuff that often will hurt us. It's the invisible stuff. And God invites us to get it out on the table, up out in the open, in the light, so Satan can't use one of those things about us to sabotage what what God's trying to do in us. Peter is such a candidate. We find in the life of Peter someone who God called a rock, and he became one of the first great leaders of the church. But Peter nearly sunk his own ship. Because he had, he had a fault, and it was a fear of people. And his fear of people caused him enormous pain. We find him, in, we find him outside of Pilate's Hall when Jesus is being tried. He's denying to a maiden woman that he was even, uh, even a disciple of Christ. And the Bible says when Jesus came out and he glanced at Peter and knew that Peter had betrayed him at that moment, the Bible says Peter went out and he wept bitterly. His fear of people had taken him to a place that caused him enormous pain. And then even after Pentecost, the vision that the gospel was for the Gentiles as well as the Jews, that vision came to Peter. And yet when he was ministering and being part of the Gentile community, he started to be criticized by some Jews, and the Bible says he withdrew himself from the Gentiles. And Paul was so incensed that Peter was betraying the Gentiles for the sake of the opinion of of the Jews that the Scriptures tell us Paul withstood him to the face. Peter struggled all his life with the fear of people. And you and I have issues in our lives where if we don't deal with them wisely, they'll get in our road. You and I all have temperaments. We have temperaments that have strength, strong sides, and weak sides. So a person whose temperament is predisposed to action may also have a weak side where they get impatient with other people. And their impatience may often cause them to destroy relationships they actually need to fulfill their capacity. So their strength has an underbelly of a weakness. Or sometimes we have a strength That is a strength in one setting, but in another setting becomes a weakness. Now, I'm going to use, because of God's metaphor of a father, I'm going to use a series of family illustrations, much to the delight of my children, uh, this morning. And here's the first one. Nolan, our second son, uh, is in many ways like his mother. But in one way, he's like me. He likes time to think. He likes just to get away and sit by himself at a coffee shop and, and write. And I like time to think. Somebody asked me, what do you do for fun? I would say recreational thinking. I just, I, 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 love, I just love to think about stuff. And I have notebook after notebook. I'll take a notebook and I'll go to a coffee shop. And I sit down with my pen. I have pens. This is, this is a cross. This is $40 for a cross. It's a very, if you're looking for, a, this is a very good pen. I have a Waterman that's $100. I have a Visconti that's 200 Now, No, 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 no. Before you judge me, I grew up on a farm, and I know what farmers do when they went into Sears and look at those craftsman tools, and I know how much those craftsman tools cost, and these are my tools of trade. I don't write with a BIC. Now, I'm not judging you if you do. I'm just saying that I... I this, this is one of the ways I honor my craft, and I sit and I think. Well, Nolan, Nolan was a thinker, so he was... Uh, so he was in college in, in, uh, in Portland, studying engineering, and he got a job at Turner Construction as a plans clerk, which keeps track of all the plans. Turner Construction is one of the largest construction companies in the world. And in Portland, they were working on a large hospital construction project, and he was a plans clerk, which is just entry level, he's just, just getting his feet wet. And, uh, it was a big job, and they kept asking him to work more and more hours. And finally, Dad, Dad, he said, I've got to talk to you. He says, you know, I, I, I don't have any time. I don't have any time for myself. I need, I need time for myself. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I want to quit. I just want time for myself. I said, oh, okay. I understand that because I share that temperament. So one of the things we've tried to teach our children is this. If you're not willing to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, you usually never get to do what you do want to do when you do want to do it. I said, you can just quit so you can have time to drink your coffee. Or you can think what's going on now may impact what's going to go on later. And so for the sake of that, I'm going to work the extra hours and forego my mochas. I just talked to him uh, last week, and the company he works for now, Adams Construction, which specializes in hospital construction, they want to move him to Dallas where he'd work on an $800 million project. But he's doing that today because he paid attention to his own temperaments and how they impacted him and how he looked at the world and how they can help him or how they can get in his road depending on the situation. There's some people who have stuff in their life that come out of how other people have responded to them. There's always people in our lives who try to create a reality they expect us to live by. I'll give you an example. One, one One of the things that amazes me now at 63 years old is the number of people I've run into in my life who will say that they had one or both parents who told them they would never amount to anything. I'll tell you one thing. As a parent, I don't get that. I, I don't get parents cursing their children like that. But beyond that issue is the issue that there are people who have lived 20, 30, 40, 50 years always playing to the audience of one every time they did anything wondering if they would finally get a smile, finally get a nod from that significant person in their life that that parental figure and so instead of honoring who God made them to be instead of being loyal to their capacities instead of moving in a direction with them and God they were always moving in a direction of how do I keep this person happy how do I get their approval? You and I, we, we have a tendency. We have a tendency to let other people set the agenda of our lives. And there are times when that's helpful, and there are other times when it can be incredibly destructive. And it becomes a baggage that, that steals away from us who and what God created us to be. And then here's another one. The Bible says you and I are all fallen. We just, we, we, we're in a world that's not as God intended it to be. So Paul says, I just see through a glass darkly. Even when I'm at my best, I don't see that clearly. And so we can end up interpreting the world in ways that aren't helpful. Like uh, my daughter Natalie, who lives here in Bozeman, she, uh, she was exhibiting a trait that many of us exhibit. It's if it's from God... It must be hard. I mean, If it's going to be holy, it's got to be hard. You know, it, it couldn't possibly be that the, the Lord would ask me to do the thing that just seems right and seems easiest and seems most natural to me. Whatever is most natural, I should look in the other direction because that's what God's going to ask me to do. Because He wants me just to live my life like I'm running in sand. Now you might think I'm slightly ma- making this up, but I, I grew up in a culture which that, they functioned that way all the time. Well, the last thing I ever wanted to be was this, but then God said, "Well, I, well, I don't <laughs> sound like Louis Anderson. I don't, wait, <laughs> I don't, I don't mean that never happens, but that does not usually happen. There are, there are ways that God created you." to serve Him and bless the world. And when you do it, it feels like the most natural thing in the world. And I don't mean you don't discipline yourself in that area, or you don't work at it to improve it, but you know when you're doing it, it just it just flows from you. Like, one of the greatest fears people have is public speaking. In fact, there's a survey that showed that The fear of speaking in public was greater than the fear of death, which meant that if you went to a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket than on the platform, which is a bit of a macabre model to start with. But do you know right now at this moment what this feels like emotionally for me? This feels like you and I are at City Brew having a cup of coffee visiting That's what it feels like. And there are things that you do that you carry in your spirit that other people think are enormously difficult but when you're doing them it is the most natural thing in the world. And your body and your spirit sing to that thing. And you were made for that. And it is easy in our fallenness to somehow think that can't can't possibly be what God wants because it's not hard enough. And so my daughter decided in this next chapter in her life she was going to start doing the things that in her spirit felt easy because she was created for those things. Our capacity can be stolen from us Secondly, our capacity can be betrayed. And here's one of the ways we can guard by understanding the power of our choices. Your choices, my choices, have power. We can use our power to be loyal. We can use our choices to be loyal to who God created us to be. We can use our choices to honor who God's created us to be. We can use our choices to respond to the calling out that God has given us. Or we can be careless with our choices as if we're always going to have another choice. But choices make choices. I might make a choice here and I'm not paying attention that that choice is going to make a choice down here that I may not have wanted to make. The Old Testament, the, the writer of most of the Psalms was David. David wrote the worship material For the land of Israel and the people of Israel but he spent most of his life as a warrior and David had a dream and that dream was to build a temple for the worship of God and when he got ready to do it God said he couldn't because though he had been called to be a worshiper he had spent his life being a warrior and the Lord said a warrior can't build my temple. Choices make choices for us. The power of a choice is to allow us to declare, and declaration draws resources. Whimsy, whimsical behavior does not draw resources. Declaration and choice draws resources. Spiritual resources and heavenly resources and the relational resources—they come from a declaration of what I believe God's asking me to choose to do. So, so, so Nolan. Nolan went to George Fox University, and and he sings, and uh, he always wanted to be in Day Spring. Day Spring is the elite singing group of George Fox University. It's a small group. They sing at all the major functions, the large functions of George Fox. They go out on tour. What appealed to Nolan the most was that Derek Johnson, who for 17 years was, was a uh, creative consultant to Disney, Derek Johnson was the leader of that group, Spring, And so you got to work hand-in-hand with one of the great musical leaders in the, in the Christian world. And so the auditions came, and... Nolan was really excited, and then he got laryngitis. And he was despondent, and when he could finally talk, he called up the phone and croaking out that he, 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 couldn't go to the, he couldn't go to the auditions, and he was bummed by that, and the deadline was already passed, and they were already posting some of the names who'd been chosen, and I said, one of the other things we try to teach our children is never say no for the other person. You know, I actually grew up in a family that always said no for us. My mom would say, well, I wonder how Thelma's doing. Well, I don't know. Invite her down for, for coffee. Well, no, I'm, I imagine she's really busy. Well, she could probably say no if she wanted to. Well, yeah, but it's harvest. I, I think she knows it's harvest time, you know. So you invite her down. No, no, well, we we always saying no for the other person. So I might... I teach my children, don't say no for the other person. So I said, well, just go see Derek. Well, won't do any good. He, well, I said, "All he can, he's not going to shoot you. He says, all he can do is say no. So he goes in to see Derek Johnson. Goes to his office, explained that he really wanted to try out. He knows the additions are passed, but he couldn't try out because he had laryngitis, And Derek Johnson says, oh, okay, well... He said, do you have any time? Nolan says, yeah. I said, well, let's go in the other room where there's a piano. We went in the other room. Derek Johnson sat down at the piano, gave him some sheet music, played one song, asked him to sing it, gave him some more sheet music, played another song, asked him to sing it, stood up, shook his hand, and said, welcome to Dayspring, Nolan. Well, you imagine when he called home. He was just flying high. What was that about? That was about making choices to be loyal to the desires of your heart even if you couldn't see a way through. Because the choices attract resources. Some people are careless with their choices as if they're always going to have choices. They're always going to have any number of choices. They're going to be able to make them any time they want. Choices don't work like that. It may seem a wide open field one year, and the next year, the choices just suddenly all dry up. Understanding the power of your choice is one of the ways that we avoid betraying the capacities we have. And lastly, we can just lose our capacity. And We avoid losing our capacity by paying attention or living at more than one level at a time so our son Nathan was here and his wife from China little Camden they stayed at our house for 50 days this summer Got kind of upstairs got a little bathroom up there and a bedroom and the big TV not that I minded but Any, anyway 50 days 50 days with relatives in the house it was good. It was good. They left last Sunday. Flight leaves 625. We're back to Beijing, China. They start packing Saturday night. Nolan Nathan comes downstairs and says, has anyone seen my passport? Not always am I speechless, but occasionally something happens that renders me almost... He hadn't seen his passport from the day they arrived. It had sat out on a table, and uh, 50 days later, now 49 days, anybody see my passport? Well, so they're up digging through. They've already packed some stuff. Now they're pulling all this stuff out. They're digging through everything. Marcy and I are sitting in the living room thinking, all right, should we get involved in the search? How tense is the room? Yeah, finally, we just, all right, we'll help out. So we're looking. We're upstairs. Nathan's downstairs. Natalie comes upstairs and says, Nathan wants to show you something. Down we go. Well, we have a little dinette table, and it has wrought iron chairs with a little padding on it. And he had some stuff laying on that table all 49 days. (laughs) And uh, he pulled the table out, and there there was a passport dangling from one of the wrought irons. It had fallen off the table, fallen onto the chair, plopped over in this wrought iron that runs on the back side of the cushion, and one, one page was lopped over that. And it was dangling there. Of course, I'm thinking, on the 49th day, we're looking for a passport, and only God himself helped us find it, because we wouldn't have thought looking, of looking for there. You know, as well as I do, we all lose things that have value. Not even maliciously. But we all live with the tyranny of the urgent. All of our lives are full of stuff. Every day, we just have a long list. And if we're not careful, capacities that we were created with, that God intended both for our good and this broken world's good, simply get lost. And we ignore the relationships those capacities will require in order to build on it. We ignore the resources and we send those resources elsewhere that those capacities will need. Until our choices have gotten narrow and narrower and suddenly those capacities have just been lost. Because we didn't live more than one level. We didn't see there was more going on than what do we have to do today. You see it in the life of Saul. Scripture tells us that Saul, who came out of a prominent family, was tall and handsome and had everything going for him, was anointed by the Lord through Samuel the prophet to be the next king. But early on we find out Saul just didn't get it. Saul was a one-level thinker. The Philistines are gathering at Gilgal, and Saul was supposed to wait with his army until Samuel the prophet came and offered up prayer and sacrifice to the Lord. And Saul got nervous, and so on his own, with Samuel not there, he decided, I'll just take care of this myself. And he offered up the sacrifice, and he prayed, and then Samuel showed up and in effect said, what in the world do you think you're doing, Saul? Because all Saul could see was the Philistines. Saul couldn't see How he needed to marshal the resources of the Lord through the channels that the Lord had chosen. Because he was only living at one level at a time. You and I are called to live at more than one level. Tell you how this works internally. I'm always amazed on a weekend to get. You know the, you know the amount of people and time and resources it takes to get a weekend, a weekend worship experience together It's really phenomenal. All the volunteers and all the staff people and chairs all set up, and the stuff moved around, and, and just the tech stuff. I made a list of stuff Natalie has to teach me like now, how do I use my Kindle? you know. <laughs> And, and this, this stuff just is amazing to me. And almost always, with rare exception, it just all works. And that's one level. Do you know, we, we ask in our staff, we asked uh, Dr. Peter Holmes and Dr. Susan Williams to do a stress test for our staff. And out of that stress test came this result. That in this... Staff, highly committed to excellence, execution, task orientation. Many of our staff live with the conviction that their own personal calling is at risk. That's another level. And so this fall, leadership is leaning into how are we functioning in this just this blizzard of details that we take care of every every week how are we functioning so people are beginning to feel that their personal calling is at risk what do we do about that all of us need to be able to live at more than one level or the tyranny of the urgent just gobbles up our calling and our capacity is lost So, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, don't let your capacity be stolen. Don't let it be betrayed. Don't lose it. Because it is worth far more than you may be conscious of. And that's his call for us as well. God is loyal to your capacity. Even David, remember when God told David he couldn't build the temple? But he said, David, I know how I've created you and what I created you for. And I'm not just going to shut the door on you. So I am going to ask you to gather all the building materials for the building of the temple. I'm going to let you do that to be part of fulfilling the desire of your heart. When God went to Moses, Moses gave him five reasons that he wasn't the guy. And God shot every one of them down because God was more loyal to the capacities in Moses than Moses was. When God went to Gideon, Gideon eight times responded in fear in that passage in the Old Testament, and every time God gave him an answer, not one, not two, not three, eight times, because God was loyal to that capacity, and he's loyal to your capacity. He wants to know, will you be loyal to it? Will you honor it? Will you protect it so it can be in you, through you, and for others, all that it was meant to be. Well, let's bow our heads and set our things aside and finish up this morning. Could I just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and we're not going to embarrass anybody this morning but we want to be responsive to what the Lord's told us. And there are some of us here this morning in a crowd of this size and Holy Spirit has helped you realize how wonderfully God has created you. What he's put in your heart. That the aspirations and the yearnings you carry are from him. They're righteous. They're meant to give you a sense of meaning and significance. They're meant to bless other people. They're meant to do good in this broken world. But you've never taken even that first step of saying, Lord, I give my life to you. I want to partner with you. I want you to be in my life so that I can make sure that these capacities are not stolen, so that they're not betrayed, so that they're not lost. This morning would be a great morning for you just to pray right where you're at, sitting there with your heads bowed, say, Lord, I am sorry that I'm not so fully comprehended how wonderfully you've made me. I know I have aspirations and yearnings. I know that many of them are righteous. I did not realize how you carry in your heart the fulfillment of those aspirations. So Lord, forgive me for being independent. Come into my heart. And begin a partnership with me. That I might live out all that You intended for me when You created me. You could pray a prayer just like that. We're just going to wait for a moment. And let you pray. You ask the Lord into your heart. And our heads are bowed in prayer, and our eyes are closed, and. Nobody's going to embarrass you, but just to honor the Lord who's created you that way, if you're praying a prayer right now and you're inviting the Lord into your heart, would you just slip your hand up and put it down and say, I'm praying that? Yeah, over here on my right, way over on my right, along here in the center, over on my left, again over here on my left, and way in the back on my left, over here on my right bet I see those hands the Lord's telling you that he's bringing you from death unto life he's coming into your heart right now he's heard your call and your prayer then can I ask some of us some of us who've already lived chunks of our life and we recognize we've already lost some things We've already betrayed some things. We have already allowed some things to be stolen. But The Bible tells us that God is a redeemer. And he will restore to us the years the locusts have eaten. This would be a great morning. If you've lived with some regret, some despair that there was just really nothing to do now because of what's happened in your life. This would be a great morning to pray just to say, Lord, you're a redeemer. Would you redeem what's been lost in my life? Would you restore the years the locusts have eaten? Would you give me a new hope and show me a new a step to take? That will lead me in back into the capacities you created for me. And you could pray a prayer like that right now. We're just going to wait. You pray. You invite the Lord to begin a new relationship with you around restoring what's been lost. praying a prayer like that would you just slip your hand up put it down and say yeah i asked the lord for that this morning yes all all the way from the left to the center all the way through to the to the right you bet let's pray father thank you very much for how you've made us and thank you for your loyalty to it even when we've not always been as alert as we should, for these who've lifted their hands up and said they've invited you into their heart, I pray that you'll give them assurance of this new faith that they can walk in, that you'll give them affirmation in some very tangible, concrete way. And for many of us who've simply called out to ask you to restore the years the locusts have eaten, to bring redemption to what's been lost, give us a new hope and show us a next step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.